Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm Brian Kaderna. So today I had an awesome conversation with our guest, Dave Kirpin. I'm going to give you a quick bio if you're not familiar with him. The very busy guy. It was tough getting this one on the books. So we condensed a lot of really good insights and information into about a half hour. So one of the quickest interviews I had to do, um, but it's action packed, jam packed with all the things you need to hear. So you're going to enjoy this one. But who is Dave Kirpin? So Dave is a serial entrepreneur, and when I say serial entrepreneur, he's done a lot in the business world. Uh, he's also a New York Times bestselling author, and he's a globally recognized keynote speaker. Dave first founded Likeable Local, a platform empowering small businesses in the digital marketing landscape. And then through his bestselling books like Likeable Social Media and The Art of People, he's become a thought leader in social media marketing and relationship building. Dave is also the owner and co-founder of Apprentice, uh, which is a really cool company I'm going to put in the show notes. And Apprentice is a platform that connects the brightest college students in our country with entrepreneurs and business leaders around the world to help them tackle their toughest tasks in business. So it's uh, a really cool kind of matchmaking website of young talent and some of the best and brightest minds in the world. So definitely want to check that one out. You might even be able to participate in it. All right. So that is Dave Kirpin in a nutshell. Today, we cover everything from how he got to be such an entrepreneur. Uh, his story that we start with is one I actually didn't even know ahead of time that was really eye-opening. So I'm not going to put any spoiler alert in there, um, but it, we get right into it. And then we even get into how he wants to change the world. So this was a wide-ranging conversation, great insights from an entrepreneur, businessman, and best-selling author. Here is Dave Kirpin is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. You know, I know you're a busy guy. Um, when did, maybe if we can go back to the, the genesis of it all, when did you first get that entrepreneurial itch? Yeah, well, um, if I go really far back, um, when I was in college, I wanted a job, uh, make some money, and I ended up working at uh, ball, the ballpark, a uh, big baseball fan. I worked at Fenway Park in the Boston Garden as a uh, vendor, ballpark vendor. And what most people don't know about the the vending business is it's very entrepreneurial. You're, you're, you're paid based on how much you sell. It's commission only, basically. So, uh, and it's also a seniority based system. So you have to work for years to get the hot dogs or the, the peanut or the, uh, or the or beer. That's, that's, that's where the biggest money is at. So my first day on the job, I had the worst selling product in the building called Crunch and Munch. Um, and I sold six boxes and I got paid the legal minimum. Uh, and I got, I came back the second day determined to, uh, make make more money and um, developed a whole shtick. Before long, I had become a bit of a local celebrity as the Crunch and Munch guy. And um, I mean, I went from that six boxes that first night and getting paid twenty twenty five dollars to um, selling hundreds of boxes a night and making over a thousand dollars a night. And while a college student, that you know, obviously a thousand bucks for a few hours work is pretty awesome. And yeah, that's where so. I fell in love with the idea of building building things and, and, and selling and, and, and um, kind of taking, taking control of your own, 
destiny with respect to entrepreneurship. And then, uh, but I still wasn't an official entrepreneur. Um, and then when some, some years later, when I got married, that was my next sort of pseudo entrepreneurial endeavor. We, my wife and I couldn't afford a traditional uh, uh, wedding, but we wanted um, a very large wedding. And we partnered with the Brooklyn Cyclones, the minor league affiliate of the Mets to create a ballpark wedding promotion called Our Field of Dreams. And we sold sponsorships to 1-800-Flowers.com, who sponsored our flowers, and David's Bridal, who sponsored our bridesmaids' <laughs> gowns, and Entimins, who sponsored our desserts, and so on and so forth. Smirnoff sponsored the alcohol. And uh, we raised $100,000 for an awesome wedding, $20,000 for charity. And um, it, was, it was awesome because I got married to the love of my life in front of 5,000 people, but it turned out to wow. be a very successful marketing event as well. Um, we generated so much publicity for our vendors that they came back and 1-800-Flowers.com and Entimins um, both said to us, this was so great. What a great promotion. What are you guys going to do next? And we couldn't get married again. So we started a business together. So that was the <laughs> official start of, of my entrepreneurial career uh, with my first uh, uh, company, a marketing company that we sold a couple of years ago. And um, so that, that was like your first splash was your actual wedding or were you like trying things out prior to that? No, I was, uh, well, like I said, the Crunch Munch guy, I mean, I worked for another company, but that sort of felt very entrepreneurial. But then, no, I was working for Disney. I was a teacher for a few years. So, no, that was really the first um, entrepreneurial, like official entrepreneurial endeavor that we did. Huh. Yeah. Was your wife like on board with the whole business idea or was she like, what the heck are you talking about doing this big sponsored wedding? Yeah, uh, it was her idea. Yeah. So, I, really? so it, was really, it was really her idea first. Uh, she's she's the brains and the beauty in, in, in the partnership. Um <laughs> She actually came to me before we were engaged and she said, while we were dating, she said, Dave, I have this killer idea. I know you're going to love it, but I don't want to, I don't want you to, I don't want to, I don't want to get engaged because you love the idea. Um, <laughs> and, but uh, so she, she came to me with the idea and I was like, absolutely. It was brilliant. We pitched the GM of the Brooklyn Cyclones and he said, he said, this is one of the craziest ideas I've ever heard, but <laughs> something about you two, I think, I think it'll work. And I'm going to give you a shot. And he was wonderful to work with. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was really, um, I mean, uh, you know, puns um, notwithstanding it, we, we hit it out of the park. Actually, it's funny because I usually <laughs> use a virtual background. So for those of you watching the video right now, um, one of the, uh, I mentioned all the media, this was the front front cover of a newspaper that we were on when we got married that I, I showed behind me in, in my office. And we generated just tons and tons of media, uh, New York Times and uh, ABC World News Tonight and all sorts of just really, it was it was a really, really valuable marketing promotion for our vendors too. Like 1-800-Flowers.com, they spent $7,000 in flowers and had something like $20 million worth of earned media uh, equivalents from all the TV <laughs> that they got out of it. So they were obviously very, very happy. Wow. So when you started, I know it, it began, you know, you're, you're pitching the crunch and munch at the ballpark and then you have the big wedding. Did you know, because I think I'll, I'll, like when I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs, they have that makeup, like they want to be an entrepreneur, but they don't know where to apply that skill. Did you know, like you wanted to get into marketing or PR or social media? Like, did you know where to look first? No, <laughs> no, not really. I think a lot of people really, it's trial and error, right? So I was studying elementary education when I was in school and psychology and the Crunch and Munch guy gig made me fall in love with marketing, branding, social, uh, I'm not social media, PR. And then the wedding is really what crystallized like 
wow, you could build something out of this and you could build a business. But we were, even after the wedding, I was still teaching um, for, for a year. And uh, we said, we said that summer after that summer after that year, we said, you know, if you can generate enough clients to pay for health insurance for our, for our then uh, daughter, uh, we will, um, you know, you can leave teaching full time and we'll pursue this full time. And, and, and we did, and the rest is history. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, a lot, a lot of people out there have ideas and mm -hmm. ideas are great, but much more valuable is like figuring it out and actually going for it and, and ma ma managing the risk carefully so as to put your ideas into, into play. Ultimately. Okay. And kind of a question to piggyback on that. You mentioned managing the risk, like as you want to execute as an entrepreneur, um, you know, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs will say, you know, that kind of old mentality of just burn the ships, like you got to go all in, fa like failure is not an option. This is it. We're going for broke. And what's like your take on that? Do you think that's kind of crazy or do you think it should be a more methodical, like, oh, I always have a plan B type of approach? Yeah, no, I'm much more the latter category. I mean, crazy is not um, necessarily the right word, but I'm definitely not in that camp. Um, I, it also depends on where you are in life. So if you're an mm -hmm. 18 year old and with absolutely nothing to lose, yeah, sure. Go for it. Burn, you know, work 80 hours a week and, and, um, you know, make it, you know, eat, sleep and breathe the, the business until you make it work. If you're a little older, if you have a mortgage, if you have a kid, if you have responsibilities, you have to manage risk carefully. You have to think about these things and, and you have mm -hmm. to have a plan B to your point. It's, it's just foolish not to. And uh, so sometimes things work out, but we have this, there's this, um, there's, a, uh, there's a myth about an entrepreneur. There's a myth about the, the Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Bill Gates uh, building, building the, the, the big business from their garage or dorm room entrepreneur. And there's a there's a there are some people that do it that way, but that is a very, very small fraction of successful entrepreneurs. There are many, 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 many more entrepreneurs who are in their you know twenties and thirties and forties and um, um, have lived life a little bit and have learned and and are thinking, here's a problem I see, and here's how we can solve this problem. Here's the resources that it's going to take. Here's the here's the number of hours that I'm willing to commit. And to your point, being more methodical about their approach. Yeah, be a little more calculated. I think that's how th most people would embrace it and say, okay, it can be a kind of a comfortable mission and not one that's terrifying, you know. Um, so kind of along those lines, you know, I always like to get guests, you know, advice on some of these, especially for young professionals. Uh, so what are like, or maybe one way to phrase this is like, are the things you pursue are they all organic in the sense that it's like an idea you had, something you saw, or are you at a stage now where like everybody and their brother is pitching Dave an idea and you digest that and pick one? Like what's kind of your um, vetting process of like, okay, this is my next venture. So unfortunately, so yes and yes is the answer, right? So with my investor, because I do some investing with my investor hat on, yeah, folks are often pitching me their ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I if I like the idea enough and the team enough uh, and the traction enough, which are the three main criteria for that I use and most people use for investing, then 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 we'll talk about investment. 
for my own uh, sort of um, entrepreneurial ventures, mm-hmm. yeah, it's got to be my own idea and thinking through a problem that I'm solving. So perfect example, um, in the beginning of the pandemic, my, my mom passed away and we didn't have the ability to all get together for her funeral. So we did a Zoom uh, funeral and um, brought people together from all over the country, all over the world. And it was amazing. And um, I realized literally during the during the ceremony that um, a lot of other people would have this problem that I had. And so I, I quickly partnered with a few uh, people, my brother and a couple of friends, and we built a virtual memorial services company um, within a few weeks. And we, we built it out and ended up doing $800,000 of revenue, helping hundreds of families, you know, grieve together uh, during the pandemic. It was a relatively short-lived business because after the pandemic, uh, you know, like obviously people now would get together in in real life for for a funeral. Um, But during that time, um, we were able to take a problem and an idea and quickly turn it into reality and and help a lot of people and, and make a few bucks along the way. So to me, that's what entrepreneurs do. They 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 find they find problems in their own worlds and they think through potential solutions and 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 then make it a reality. And do, like to that point, do you feel you're at at a stage where you like you have an idea maybe like that, and it's like okay, once I've got an idea. I have a model that I can just throw that idea in there and then we'll crank out a business in a couple of weeks. Cause I think a lot of people, like you said, they have the idea, but they're a teacher, they're a cop, they're, they're doing whatever. And they're like, I don't know where to go with this, but it could be such a great idea. Um, you know, do you feel like it's like, you can just replicate things quicker now? Yeah. I mean, it's a muscle. So it's like anything, like the more you use it, the better you get at using it. And, um, like I said, for my first business, I was a teacher and we were like doing a lot of work to figure out whether I could leave teaching to pursue it full time. And it was a it was a far from a immediate, you know, like the, the example I just gave of the virtual memorial service businesses was several businesses later and 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 um like almost let's see, two thousand three, almost almost twenty years later, right? So it's a muscle. Yeah. So my advice if you haven't um, if you haven't done it before is, um, start flexing the muscle and be patient with yourself, right? Like it doesn't have to happen within two weeks. It can happen within two years, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen overnight ever. So it's, 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 it's doing the work day after day, week after week. And if you're a firefighter and you want to build a business, you can't sit there with an idea feeling paralyzed. You have to move through that fear and say, okay, I'm going to work on this every day. I'm going to work on this for 10 minutes a day. And I'm going to build a team and I'm going to investigate this and I'm going to learn how to build a website or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. that's how you can make um, progress over time. And so, I mean, as you're taking in these different ideas, uh, so if we kind of put on that other hat, the, the investor hat, how are you vetting these ideas? Is it just purely finance? You're looking, you know, hey, you want X amount of dollars, we'll partner up, equity, so on and so forth. Or do you say, I just want to look at the person that I'm partnering with? 
or I'm just going to look at the idea and I'm loyal to the idea. Do you have kind of a process that you take that opportunity through? Please excuse this brief interruption. I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Dave Kirpin so far, but I'd just like to remind everyone that today's episode is brought to you by my free weekly newsletter called Weekly Wealthy Wisdoms. Please sign up and join the tens of thousands of subscribers that are already getting my latest and greatest insights on all things health, wealth, and just living a good life. It's a three-minute read with some of the coolest things I've seen in the week. You definitely want to check it out. Head over to www.briancaderna.com and you can sign up for free right at the top of my webpage. Now back to Dave Kirpin. The person is most important and it's not close. Okay. So okay. almost every business changes um, changes a lot. I, I just got a text right before this podcast from a, 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 a woman we invested in who, uh, when we first inve invested in her, she had a um, gelato business. And it went from gelato to chocolate. She did very well with chocolate, but she's just now developed chocolate-covered espresso beans that are amazing. By the way, I'm going to give it a shout out because I can. The company's called Bone Apple Sweet. Wonderful, wonderful business. And I, I think the chocolate espresso beans are going to be what takes her to, you know, huge, huge level and makes me a lot of money in the long run. But when I invested in her, it was a gelato business. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't anything near chocolate covered espresso beans. My point is the idea matters, but the person matters a lot more. And the traction isn't necessarily the, so the, I, I said there's three things that matter, the person, the idea, and the traction. The traction mm -hmm. isn't necessarily the traction with, the specific, with any specific idea. It's the, the, what traction shows me is the ability to take an idea and move towards building a real business with that idea, even if that ends up not being the, 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 um, the, the, the actual successful business. So, so take this, this woman, uh, Teresa, who we, we in, invested in with Bon Appetit Suite. When she came to us, she had very small gelato business and a, you know, and a idea about building something bigger. But she had mm -hmm. also generated amazing PR already. She knew how to tell a story. She had a great story. I could see that that sort of traction, so her drive as a person and the traction that she had already been able to, 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 to do, that made her, in my mind, a winner, like worthy of investing in. Where some people come to me all the time with the best ideas in the world, and I think, you've been sitting on that idea for 10 years. What, you know, what have you done with it? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> why would I give you money if you're not able to show that you can actually do something with your idea. Yep. And, and so like when you're, you're taking these ideas, you're meeting with these people, do you ever get enticed to say, I don't just want to be an investment partner, but I want you, I, I want you on my team. Um, you know, do you ever kind of look at like when they're just like, this is a rock star, but their idea sucks or it's just really <laughs> strange or whatever. Do you ever just say, I'm, I'm taking this person and then, bang, they're, they're hired and they're a part of your enterprise? Yeah, I've never done that. I've thought about it just a drop. I think my, it's my love of entrepreneurship that would keep me from really doing it because it's like anyone that I'm going to be really impressed by is going to be really passionate about their own sort of thing. And so I, I have a respect for that. I, I don't think I would pull. But what I would do, of course, and um, 
have I done this? I probably have done this. Is um, if 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 so, if something fails, because businesses do fail all the time, right? Certainly, some of mine have. One of them that I mentioned, I got to fix my bio that uh, my my apprentice gave you because one of the businesses, even that you mentioned at the outset, has failed. But fine, businesses <laughs> fail all the time. Um, I could take an entrepreneur with a failed business that I still believe in and either invest in them again or, or partner with them to, to, to come on board for another business. Okay. Interesting. And like with the, and I know I'm, I'm kind of digging a little bit here on like the person part, cause you said that is most important, you know, as you're, uh, it's funny cause I've gotten different outlooks and I'm at a stage now of hiring and it's like scary for me. It's maybe something that I drag my feet on. You know, you hear the saying slow to hire, quick to fire. Um, but then I have a lot of my clients that are extremely successful businessmen and women um, that are like, yeah, it doesn't really bother us that much. Like if we see someone we think is pretty good, we say, let's give it a shot. Let's see how it goes. Uh, what's like on your take on that? Like, do you, can you meet someone over a Zoom call and get a good vibe in a half hour conversation and bang, they're a, a part of your team or your business? Dream. Or do you got to meet them, shake their hand and so forth? No, no, I'm not, not old school in that way in any way. Um, very rarely do I meet people in person these days that I, that I hire. I had, an inter I had a call um, earlier. Uh, I knew within three minutes that I was going to hire, hire the person that I did. And she was just great. So first impressions are huge. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, three, three, three minutes, two minutes sometimes. You know right yep. away. And um, while I love the hire slow fire fast adage i think a very interesting competitive adage is hire fast fire fast um, okay there's some downsides to to um to that of course but the the bigger issue is the much bigger issue than hiring fast firing fast or hiring slow firing fast is is, is that i see all the time is 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 hiring slow or hiring fast and firing slow. The big issue is for mm. people holding on to to non-productive non, uh, non employees. And I have seen that for, oh my goodness, decades. It's such a huge mistake that so many people make. They're so afraid to fire people. They're so afraid of conflict. They're so afraid of, of, of having to do all the work if they, if they fire people or, you know, fill in the blank. People make up countless excuses about yeah. it but um but it, it is absolutely essential um and you know you, you mentioned you're you're looking at hiring someone um it's it's scary to bring people on especially at first but it's it's almost always the bad the better move right in order to build mm -hmm. more freedom in your life that my next book is all about delegating and uh giving people more time and freedom in their lives by 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 hiring people by delegating. Sure. So I, I do think it's really important and valuable when when folks can do that. In in that vein, like when you bring someone on, do you try and because uh, I've seen different schools of thought, do you try and bring everybody in that has some piece of ownership in the company, maybe not actual equity, but perhaps like all their income is or a large part of the income is tied to bonuses and productivity? Um, you know, are you more of, hey, this is your job, this is your salary, be glad you have it, do it, or you're out. Um, you know, because I, I see more and more of this kind of, everybody needs to have ownership in their role. What's your take on that? Well, it depends on the size of the company and the stage of the company. The reality is, um, 
the larger companies get, the harder that is to 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 implement um, real equity. I mean, I guess you, I guess, I guess you could do options. I guess I'm, I, I am for um, opportunities for folks to have ownership and for folks to have upside. Maybe it's because I I'm such an entrepreneur myself that I think like an entrepreneur and I want folks to think that way too, and I mm-hmm. want to have skin in the game. I think ultimately the most important thing isn't though what I think people need. It's it's managing to people's own motivation. So so there are some people for whom um, equity is really, really valuable. And that's what's gonna make them run through a wall. There are other people that don't give a you know, give it give a crap about it and 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 will run through a wall if they're getting health insurance or if they're getting, you know, X salary or or whatnot. So it's really thinking what what's going to make this person um really committed to on a case-by-case basis yeah 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 cool and then uh, pivoting a little here kind of switching gears you're an entrepreneur at heart and you know you got a lot of businesses and things but you're also a best-selling author um so that doesn't just happen by accident you know i'm an author i know it, it takes a lot of work you know sometimes it's a blast other times it's like why the heck am i doing this um do you look at yourself in the mirror as a businessman or as an author? Um, interesting question. I, li- I love when people ask questions that I'm not asked a lot. So that, that's a pretty good one. Um, but I'm still not going to answer it per se. First of all, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say I look at myself in the mirror as a father first, no doubt. Okay. Husband second, um, entrepreneur third. I think of my authorship, I've done five books now. And I, so of course I could, think of myself as an author having done five books, but I actually think, and I guess it's because I'm an entrepreneur, I think of my my books and my authorship as entrepreneurial. It's a way that I can scale my ideas and share my ideas with a larger group of people. Now, it's not as lucrative as entrepreneurs, as traditional entrepreneurship, but I, mm-hmm. I clearly don't make as much money no matter how many books I sell from that um, as I would a successful business. But but the the idea of um, solving a problem and scaling is still there, right? So so my book on delegation, get over yourself, that comes out in March. I'm solving a problem. People suck at delegation. They're either micromanagers or um, or afraid to delegate, and I'm solving that problem hopefully with a book that hopefully lots and lots of people will read and use, and so. I think of I think of that as on that is to me entrepreneurship. I just don't have all the upside because I'm not the publishing company, but um, but that is yeah. essentially entrepreneurship. Okay, interesting. And then an, another one I wanted to throw at you because you do have such kind of like a diverse uh, uh, array of pursuits. Yes. Looking really big picture here, what do you want to change about the world right now? Wow, another great one. Well, well. <laughs> Um, I know you got a limited window here. So if you can put you right on the spot, right, that's a really big one. Um, I mean, we're, we're recording this interview in, uh, in, in uh, early December of 2023. I'm going to say that for some context, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, for those that are listening or watching later. And, um, you know, two, two months ago, I'm, I'm Jewish and two months ago, October 7th, um, was a pretty big, uh, it was very impactful for me. Um, what was impactful of, you know, obviously the, the, the attack on, um, on Israel was impactful, but for me, even more impactful has been the, 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 uh, the impact of, um, 
protests and uh, d divisiveness on college campuses throughout this throughout the US. Uh, I am deeply concerned about the state of affairs. And if I could change one thing about the world, it would be uh, less hate and um, more uh, conversations, more civil conversations. Uh, mm -hmm. So that because I, cause I, I don't really see a lot of good answers out for this issue or man, many other issues that where people have so much hate and anger built up versus a more civil dialogue. I couldn't agree more with that. I think you hit the nail on the head and um, kind of in that, that same point, cause I do a good amount of speaking, you know, on college campuses and I saw something about one college in particular, I'll leave nameless that just shocked me. And I was like, I can't believe that this is a professor at the school and either they don't know what this person's saying, which is a problem, or they do, and they're giving it a stamp, which is an even bigger problem, in my opinion. And I just didn't really want to go back to talk there. And I know that doesn't have some huge influence on the campus, but with what you alluded to, it, what's going on in academia, and you're you know, one of the people that's brought in. You're not on the inside, but you're a good resource for anyone to bring in and have as a speaker. Do you like try and kind of wield some sort of influence at all? Or like, do you think about that of how you can have a positive impact, especially like on these schools? Yeah, well, uh, with, so the, the company that I'm most focused on right now is Apprentice, a marketplace that connects college students and, and entrepreneurs and business leaders. And um, I, so I do have an impact in as much as we have um, thousands of college students that we interact with. And um, I've, I've been very clear about my uh my policy and our policy as a company uh we we are um we are a safe place for students of all backgrounds and i am jewish and 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 and, and, and insist upon a safe place um so for, for 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 students of all backgrounds and so i i i draw the line <laughs> And I'm very yeah. concerned that a lot of colleges are not drawing or are drawing the line in very strange places, very, very strange places. And um, the same schools that were um, were like 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 reprimanding students and uh, faculty members for being insensitive about pronouns. Those very same schools are now um, tolerating calls for genocide on their campuses i mean it's it's it, to mm -hmm. me it's like why it's wild and i i mean we could talk for hours just about this, yeah but it's yep. it's a very dangerous situation and i am completely committed to uh taking a stand about this and any issue that i that i that i uh care about i i think i think people have a responsibility like we only live once if we we, mm -hmm. we need to speak up about things that we care about absolutely yeah yeah no kudos on that i agree and just a last point on that, um, Apprentice, your company, which is awesome. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Have you ever thought, I know that's like in the epitome of academia, you're dealing with some of the best schools in the country. Um, is there a version of that that you foresee that's like outside of that realm, like maybe even in the trades or anything like that? Well, the, the long-term vision is to uh, help the students that need the help the most, right? So right now we do have students at, quite a few very good schools, very so-called elite schools, so-called top tier schools. I'm not even going to mention them because just like you, uh, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about some of them. But um, 
and that's that's who our clients want. That's the talent our clients want. So I have to I have to build a business that's sustainable, that's based on demand. But over time, absolutely, my vision is to help students at community colleges, st students at historically black colleges, students at smaller state schools, the students that that there are lots of very, very smart and driven students who haven't necessarily had the uh, experience, um, the, the network, the family to get them into a place where they could be at those so-called Ivy League schools, but they are absolutely still smart and driven and hungry. I would love the, the future of Apprentice absolutely is in catering to those students. I just need to build a sustainable revenue model first with yep. the caliber of students that my entrepreneur clients and business executive clients expect, if that makes sense. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. So you're getting there. That's pretty cool. So I know you're you're on the clock here. You got to run. I just want to hop now to the lightning round, which, uh, you know, if we can, and we'll, we, it will really be a lightning round here. So are you good with that? Of course. Of course. I love a good lightning round. Hit me. Comes to mind. Number one, what is your favorite book? Uh, Give and Take by Adam Grant. Okay. And your favorite movie? Field of Dreams. I uh, love it. Uh, favorite vacation that you've ever had or destination? I love, uh, oh, that's a hard one. I love so many. Uh, I'll go with uh, Amsterdam. Okay, I've never been. I've been over in Europe a number of times, but not there. Uh, do you have a quote that you live by? Yeah, Seth Godin, great marketing uh, uh, executive, uh, author, etc. How dare you settle for less when the world has made it so easy to be remarkable? And who was your hero growing up? Um, my, the, the, the best mentor, and you can share a link to an article I've written because I don't have time in the speed round, but um, I can share a link to the article I wrote about meeting him on a plane. Uh, Frank Lautenberg was an amazing, amazing man that I met on a plane who was the uh, late uh, senator from New Jersey and also built a 40,000 employee company called ADP. Uh, amazing, amazing guy. <laughs> and you're busy as could be. How much do you sleep at night? Uh, I'm very, very fortunate. I only sleep four and a half hours a night. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Uh, do you have a, a time for a hobby? And if so, what's your favorite hobby? I have lots of time for hobbies, thanks to my ability to delegate. Uh, I play tennis twice a week. So that's probably number one. I play poker uh, every week and um, I'm playing the World Series of Poker as well. Oh, that's awesome. And finally, what's next uh, on the agenda for Dave Kirpin? So the Get Over Yourself will be my focus to so the, the, the book that comes out in March um, and building Apprentice and um, hopefully doing some, some more good in the world. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for the time and the insights here. I think uh, it was very helpful. We crammed a lot in here in just a short episode. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Yep. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. I'm Brian Kaderna. Had the pleasure of speaking with Dave Kirpin today. Please, wherever you're tuning in, leave us a review, subscribe, spread the good word, and we will see you next time. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. 
Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Caderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Caderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003, phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.